We have now added a new and revolutionary increase in destruction. Des and Troy. You see, when you put them together, they destroy. Welcome in, folks, the Daily Destroyer, DFS show on the Dynasty Warzone Network. As always, I'm your co-host, Tyler, at FF Tyler O, joined, as always, by my other co-host, Lou, at Lou Dog Sherman. Lou, how you doing, man? Good. Uh, we made it to playoffs a little longer this, this season than in seasons past, but, I mean, just more football to watch, really, so... Uh, it's a little interesting how they have it set up this week where it's it's over three days. So um, it'll be cool to watch how your lineups changes over each each consecutive day. So um, excited to see where we go here. Yeah, it's uh, they ruined our, our two two-game slates, which is yeah. a little, little frustrating. It was a lot of fun to kind of like finish the year off with like a, a unique slate. But, you know, it, it is over three days, but it does feel like a lot like the main slate and the fact that we have 12 teams to pick from six games, which is, is pretty, you know, not t- too far off from what we'd expect from a main slate in terms of volume of players in the pool. But the fact that it's over three days and none of these games are occurring at the same time, it does change up a bit of the strategy uh, in terms of, you know, what games you want to play, when they're being played, and more specifically, talking about swapping and pivoting off or pivoting on to players. It's a strategy that we've talked about a bit, uh, especially earlier in the season. It's something Lou and I like to employ, especially when we need to catch up, uh, pivoting off of chalk. Um, I just wanted to touch on that real quick, have you speak on that a bit, Lou, and how you're going to be handling watching these games, watching your lineup, and how you will pivot. Yeah, it's it's the type of thing where they have um, it's two, three, then one in the games, and there's a lot of time in between each game, but obviously like the days are a bigger break. So after you have um, the night game on Saturday with the bills in, in the Patriots, you kind of have a long break in between in, in which you can sort of check out other people's um, lineups and see who played a lot of players from that first day. And then you can basically adjust off of if, someone from the Bengals was highly owned or someone from say like maybe it's the Patriots defense was highly owned and they got a touchdown and you can have an idea of if it's the type of score that is like slate breaking or Mm -hmm. if it's like someone gets done and gets a zero and um, it was someone who was highly owned. So there's a few different ways that you can go about it and like analyze day by day. Um, and then one thing we had talked about earlier is like some of the higher scoring games are actually later in the slate. Um, the Arizona LA game should be highly, highly scoring. And a lot of players probably you want to take from that game and the game right before it with, with Casey Pitt could be um, decently owned. So um, you have a lot of flexibility throughout each game 
um, mm-hmm. through all six of them, and you have time in between to check other people's lineups. And going into that last game, like you have, it's basically um, 24 hours of uh, a break in there where some some lineups you might be like ahead, like pretty far ahead. It looks like, but other lineups are just fully stacked. Yeah, that we, game, yeah, so paying attention to PMR. That's player yeah. minutes remaining. Like that is going to be such a huge aspect. Don't get too excited if you're, like, way ahead early on either. No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Stop the count, right? (laughs) Here we go. But, no, especially in those head-to-head matchups, you got to pay attention to PMR of your opponents because if if you're not – like, I will say pivoting, I think there's an edge in pivoting in DFS, and I think it's underutilized, particularly, like, on a main slate in the 1-4 to o'clock games. But I think individuals with all this time in between – will be more apt or more um, likely to to do those pivots, to do those optimal pivots yeah. if they do need to catch up, um, especially if you're ahead and you got some chalk. Like, they're, they're, they should be at least pivoting off the chalk to try to play some catch-up. So just something to think about um, as we kind of talk about the slate. Um, the timing of the games matter. Um, the PMR of your opponents matters. And pivoting is ever more important uh, in weeks like this than the last 18, almost said 17. Anyways. Jumping to quarterbacks, Lou. Um, it, it's the playoffs, so we have a lot of good quarterbacks. Uh, not a surprise here. Um, the, the pricing is interesting. I, I don't expect there to be too much chalk in terms of the quarterback plays, but there is a, a single quarterback that stands out to me and to you um, just considering the pricing of this quarterback, and that is going to be Dak at 6400 Reasons we like Dak, Lou, I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, I think he's – probably going to be pretty popular this week um one thing is he's 6400 and all the sort of other qb plays are in the seven seven k plus range so you're kind of getting a discount and we know with Dak, like he has to end the season the last three games he had 12 passing tds but we also know that he is the rushing upside as well and isn't afraid to to run in uh, a touchdown or two in games so um he has a little bit of of the rushing floor that these guys like Allen and Kyler definitely have as well. So he's going to be pretty popular, I think, because of that discount, and it'll allow you to get up to some better players in other spots. Um, but I wouldn't hate like coming off of him either because I think at the end of the day, like he he's been kind of boomer busty this year. So. Yeah, he got hot towards the end of the season with those last three games. But the three games prior to that, he had 12 points each of those games. So um, the downside risk is is decently high. And I, I think I know you were saying that you like the, the 49ers in this game. I do. So I do like the 49ers. If they are able to control the game and you know handily beat the Cowboys, then Dak probably doesn't have that great of a game either. Um, and that could provide you some leverage by coming off of him. Because at, at the end of the day, like a lot of these QBs, um, the other, let's say, the other big four QBs, um, all of these QBs pretty much have a 25 to 35 point range that you're yeah. playing around with that they're likely all going to score in. Um, but I think Dak, if you throw him in that mix, like he's more likely than them to come out of this game with like 12 points. Um, so to me, I think he has a little more downside risk. So if you're willing to play the narrative that he's not going to be the, 
the highest scoring QB or even just match all those other guys, then um, I think you get a decent amount of leverage by coming off of him to to play someone like a Kyler or or Brady. Um, I'm personally not as interested in Josh Allen as I think you are, but um, that has to do with just the game environment seems like it's going to be very slow moving. The Patriots are going to want to try to control it as much as possible. And it's not going to be the best weather to be playing in and throwing the ball. So um, I don't know if, if I'm going to really try to get Josh Allen or, or play really much of that game. Yeah. In general. So I, I think my argument for Dak would go as such. Like we know Zeke hasn't really been getting it done as much as he should. Um, we just watched the 49ers run defense absolutely decimate Sony Michelle. 49ers run defense is second DVOA, seventh in yards allowed per carry. So even if the Dallas does move the ball, um, which, you know, I, I'm kind of betting on the, 40, the 49ers coming in and just smashing the Dallas Cowboys teeth in. But the argument for Dak is at least that they're, if they're going to move the ball, it's going to be through the air, right? Um, it's it's a path of least resistance. Dak's been on fire in, in a lot of ways. So, um, and it's really his price. Like if you would ask me before the pricing dropped, what Dak's price would be out of guest around like 72 or 7,400 and he's down at 64. So, um, the pricing alone is, is what really gets us to Dak. I think if Dak was 7,200, we'd have, a, we'd be having a completely different conversation about, you know, what quarterbacks we like the most, but it's really just the savings you get from Dak Prescott. And even if they are a bit behind, even if the San Francisco 49ers are controlling the ball, still expect Dak Prescott to be throwing to try to play catch up. So, do like Dak. I personally like Josh Allen. You know, I think I favor him more in the two game slates, like on the Saturday slates in the two games. I mean, I I think he's usually one of my favorite quarterbacks. The ceiling is there. The 78 price tag isn't necessarily sexy. And as I've started to build my lineups up, I haven't really found the money to go up to Josh Allen, to be completely honest with you, even though I do like him. But as we do know, um, this could be low scoring, but and the fact that it's not, it all goes to Josh Allen. He could be rushing the touchdowns in. We know he could throw it out. He's got a lot of weapons. So the, the floor, I suppose, on Dash, Josh Allen and with that combo to the ceiling is really what gets me to, you know, like Josh Allen. I mean, he hasn't gone below 21 points since week 13. So I think things have been good for Josh Allen. So that was my thought there. Lou, if you weren't going Dak Prescott, though, who are you going to go with? I I think I, I'm trying to go to, like, Kyler. Um, part of it has to do with the flexibility. That's the last game. And if you need to, um, you basically see what other people have been doing throughout and potentially switch to, to Stafford if need be or or whatnot. Or you could switch to Mahomes going into that that last game Sunday, before yep. it. So um, I'm not planning on playing um, Allen a lot to do with the fact that it's the first game. That's where um, I think if – like Carr was later, I'd have more interest in him at, at 5,500. Just it's hard to play the guys in the first game because you want to have that flexibility, but it's kind of scary because I also think that Bengals Raiders game, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the highest scoring game on the entire slate. So um, to me, I think Kyler, Kyler is where I'm looking from there. I really like the upside, the pace of that game. I think that game could easily get out of hand. Like they flexed it to be the Monday night because I think they expect it to be uh, the most exciting game that's played all weekend. So um, I'd probably be going to Kyler. I also like the parts to stack him with. All right. Um, so if I were to ask you for your pool of three quarterbacks, um, sounds like it'd be Dak and Kyler. Who'd be the third? Um, I think I'd I think I'd say Mahomes. 
Okay. Um, I think I mean, he's he's sort of woken up the the tail end of the season and back to the Mahomes who seems like he's got floor of twenty points. Like they're going to try to score through Mahomes, let him drive, so to speak. And I mean, the the Steelers' defense is not what we've seen in the past. Like they're one of the biggest surprises being in the playoffs of of all these teams. So um, I expect Casey to pretty handily win that game. Fair enough. So the, the, the pool of three quarterbacks for Lou is Dak, Kyler, Mahomes. Now shift over running back where things get a little bit more interesting, where we honestly spend a lot more time uh, talking uh, about this position as there is a lot going on here. And the pricing, I don't know if the word is tight, but like they're, they're all like in this range, right? Like the fact that there's no running back over 7K, I think is pretty nuts. Uh, particularly, I would expect Najee and Mixon to be over 7K, but they're 68 um, and 66. Let's start off there, man. Those are those are going to be um, the two highest priced um, running backs on the slate at Mixon at sixty eight and Najee at sixty six. Your thoughts on these two? And I guess quote unquote paying up at running back, even though that really is not a thing this week. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of interesting how they did the pricing. Uh, like you said, no one's over seven k, which I kind of like that they did it that way in the sense that we're able to really build lineups like sometimes they'll they'll come out with these prices on this on the smaller slates and you can't really build lineups or, or everyone lands on sort of the same build um but here it allows you to sort of pick whichever running backs you want because the let's just say the most expensive running back you're willing to to pay for is is mix at 68 and then the cheapest is like sony michelle at 54 like that that's a very close range very tight other, range very tight um, range versus like say like Derek Henry was on the slate 8100 yeah. so yeah, yeah. um i like i like mixon i think we've seen that that Raiders run defense is not that is not all that great um it was funny that game the Raiders and the Chargers like both run defense just like are so bad but um i like him in the matchup and i I'm on the side that I think the Bengals are going to win this game. Um, and you know, he he is a big piece of that offense. And, I, I um, also I also want to point out here, um, just kind of like a, a bigger picture here, Lou, is um, the Raiders just played football on Sunday night. And now they have to travel across the country to Ohio to play the first game on Saturday. Yeah. That game went to overtime. There's 80, 88 snaps played up against that defense on Sunday night, and now they're traveling to Cincinnati to play a rested Bengals team who rested their starters in week 18. So yeah. I think, like, um, you know, I think that, you know, think like I, I don't want to put too much weight into that, but I think there's a lot of variables, like external var- variables in this matchup where it's the Bengals are rested, the Bengals are playing at home, the Raiders just had an absolute, like, like overtime, like just punch for punch against them. Yeah. Energy. And, the, like, you know, they could be a bit tired. Like, there's not a lot of time in between games to get ready for something like that. So I think there's something at least to be said in terms of these kind of external factors going into this. And, and why not um, the Bengals, like, st- get aggressive early and then just pound Joe Mixon? Yeah. And the, and the Raiders, you know, are coming in here with, the with like, long the 19th yards, most of the yards per carry, um, their run defense. So it's, it just – to me, it just speaks to, like, 
you know, if I had to like pick a way that the Bengals win this game, it's like, you know, get a couple tutties, try to throw them quick and then just pound Mixon. Like 25 carries from Mixon in this game would not surprise me, especially if they find themselves up a score or two. Yeah. And then it, the only other guy over 6K that I think I'd be picking is Najee Harris. And we were talking about this um, before we hopped on, but he's 6,600 and he hasn't been this low since week three. Week three, um, he was 66. So, he's been more than that since. I mean, like he's under 7K and this is a game where the likelihood is is that they are going to be trailing. And I mean, if it's the last potential game for the Steelers then and Ben's trying to win it like he's just gonna dump off the ball to Najee 20 times so like <laughs> his upside is there and of late he's been kind of boomer bust but um earlier in the season he was pretty consistent about getting like 16 to 20 fantasy points um and then obviously had the upside based on uh touchdowns and whatnot mm-hmm. but um I think the matchup is pretty decent and people aren't really wanting to click on his name because of um Mixon's right there basically the same price uh if you're looking at recent game logs then Jacobs and Damian Harris also look pretty good and similar point totals but um I kind of like going with Najee over them because I just think the way that this game is gonna flow I think is going right into the hands of a Najee game Yep. I mean, I, I like them too. Um, and you said you're avoiding the guys at 6K. I would agree. And I just want to go over that real quick as, you know, real quick as to why they're not necessarily in our purview. Um, Josh Jacobs, 6,500. I think I just prefer Najee straight up. Josh Jacobs is a fine play. If he was like 6K, this is a completely different conversation. But at the same time, uh, just not as interested. Damian Harris, you know, he's had at least, I think, two hamstring injuries on the year. Don't expect a lot of points in that game. And we have seen Ramondre Stevenson a bit. Connor, Probably going to score a touchdown, but Edmonds is back. When Edmonds is back, we see those targets dip substantially for Connor. So at that 6,300 price, I'm not as interested. And then Ezekiel Light, 6,100. We, we talked about it earlier, but um, it, he just hasn't looked himself. Yes, the volume has been solid, but it's just it's a tough play for me at that price. Also, considering how good the San Francisco run defense was, we watched them absolutely shut down Sony Michelle uh, in the week prior. So no interest in those 6K. So that brings us to some of the 5K guys where I think the conversation gets a little more, little more interesting. There is a grocery list of dudes here um, that we have interest in. Lou, why don't you kick us off with one of your favorites in that uh, 59 to 5K range? Yeah, I think um, for me, Elijah Mitchell might be my favorite. Um as we mentioned before, we both kind of like the the 49ers in this game. And um, Elijah Mitchell has shown that he's just the straight-up bell cow. He's got um, over 20 carries in five straight games, and that includes when he came back from injury, um, went straight back into it. We've also seen um, games with him being involved in the passing game, and I think that, that bodes well for – in the playoffs, like a lot of these these guys who are bell cows, even if they didn't really get a lot of passing work in um, the regular season, sometimes they'll get a little boost to that in the playoffs. Um, so I'd expect them to have a couple reception floor as well in the playoffs. And um, he's the guy that's that's getting the carries and um, the likelihood of touchdowns. And if we expect the the 49ers to be leading, then he's just going to get fed the rock uh, most of this game. And 
Dallas doesn't have the best defense um, against the run, so it's not like for fifty five hundred. Like I just feel like he's he's pretty safe, and then um, Darrell Williams. Oh yes. The 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 issue that I have with Darrell Williams is even when he's been given bigger bigger roles, um, his expected touches are probably lower than Eli. Most of these guys, and most of these guys we're going to talk about. Yeah. But I think he does have more upside in the passing game than those other guys. And just the high powered offense that the chiefs are. If we're going on, if we're operating under the onus that the chiefs are back to that level. uh, Was that last year when, when Damian Williams just had that, he had that great run of um, playoff games or was that two years ago? Um, Where, it's it's weird. It's like in the regular season, the the running backs for the Chiefs almost doesn't matter. But then, come playoff time, like they run straight through their running backs. But um, so I can see the upside in, in uh, Darrell Williams. But I think I think I prefer Eli to him. Fair enough. I like both of them a lot. I think Leonard Fournette's the interesting one. I expect him to be one of the highest owned running backs on a slate. Yeah. Fifty nine hundred. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a game time decision. I believe, I, I think he's, I think we're like operating under the zone that he is playing, but I mean, you just look, the dude's a bell cow, man. I mean, we're talking 15 carries, probably 12 to 15 carries minimum, at least six targets. And like, you know, the last four games he played, it was seven targets, seven targets, eight targets, eight targets. And that was with AB and that was with Godwin. Now with Godwin out of the picture and AB out of the picture, there's a lot of targets to go around on a team that heavily, heavily prefers to throw that football. Um, we'll talk about some of those other pass catchers later, but if Fournette's healthy, I mean, Fournette is one of the most, you know, in terms of volume, outstanding bell cows that we have seen in the 2021 season as a bit of a surprise here. Um, and, and and Rojo's out, like, you know, not that he was taking any carries before, but, like, there's just really no one else behind him to even have any concerns. Um, I think Geo's back, could take a couple catches here and there, um, maybe in garbage time if they're up by a couple TDs. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, Fournette's playing, Fournette's healthy. I'm penciling him in for 14 carries and, and seven, six, six to seven targets at least. So with that said, um, with that price, with the volume that I expect, I got to be on Fournette. You? Yeah, I think he's going to be decently owned. And with that comes the opportunity for leverage. Um, you know that people are going to want to go there. Like it's a good matchup. Like you said, when he's been healthy and in games, like he's he's has an immense role in this offense. And um, to me, I think he's one of those guys that there's so many options, right? We've already gone through a lot of options at running back that if you want to be different somewhere, like that's a pretty easy place to be different. Um, and you have the potential leverage of what if he comes back and he's still not, not like gimpy, but not back to a hundred percent. There's still like the possibility of that. And that's where if you're playing against it, that's the type of leverage that you could like hit on in these small, small slates. So um, I like him. I think he's, he's pretty safe, but um, one of the guys who I wouldn't feel too bad coming off of either. Another guy uh, I think think similarly or think similarly about is going to be Devin Singletary. I think people are going to chase points in this one. I mean, the dude has been over 25 DK points in the last two. He's reached at least 16 DK points in the last four. He has, you know, I mean, don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I mean, he has become a bell cow. I mean, there's really no way around it. The guy's scoring touchdowns. Um, You know, the catches aren't necessarily there, but I mean, when when you're seeing 19 to 22 carries a game and they're giving you shots around the goal line, um, 
you know, I, I feel like there's going to be – I'm not – I mean, I faded Singletary last week. That was a mistake. Um, but I feel pretty comfortable fading him again in a game that we've talked about that we have concerns over um, a low-scoring game. But if the weather is a concern, maybe we see a little bit more Devin Singletary. I mean, I, I'm not really worried about the weather, to be honest with you. I'm more worried about, like, Josh Allen and cold weather than I am with it being, like, you know, the weather being so bad that they're going to run the yeah. ball. I don't think I don't think that's the narrative I'm chasing. But um, I think people are going to look Devin Singletary's way. They're going to look at what he's done over the last four weeks. They're going to look at his attempts. They're going to look at his touchdowns. And I think people are going to be putting Singletary in their lineups. But I am not. Your thoughts on Singletary? Yeah, I think if people start to overthink it, I might come back come back onto it cuz um from things I've been looking at like he's not he's not projecting to be like a top 5 owned running back. Um I think people are coming around on on playing guys like Elijah Mitchell, uh Darrell Williams and Fournette over him. I think if people are going to play all three of those guys over him, then he becomes a little more interesting because he has had a bigger role um, as of late. And if that is a weather game, then it's more likely that um, he continues what he's been doing recently. So um, I don't completely hate playing him. Um, I don't think I'd be playing him in cash because as we know in, in games like this, the Bills, if they need points, they're going to turn back to the passing game. So um, I think he's he's the type of play that I think I'd still play in um, tournaments, but I probably won't go there in cash. Um, it's another thing where like you're playing him in the first day. So um, I know hmm. it's going to sound weird because I'm going to keep bringing that up on like the playing too early, but it is nice to have flexibility on future days and like reassess what's going on so um i personally probably won't go with singletary but i think if he comes in like 15 or less percent then it might be a win to to play him because he has been having a lot of touchdowns recently the last guy that i think is worth bringing up at least it's going to be sony michelle um kind of kind of a dud uh last week but at 5400 for a guy that has seen at least 18 carries over the last what five no six weeks um you know things are good i mean last last week is brutal against san francisco we already talked about them having a great run defense it was 21 carries for 43 yards which is brutal but things have been better beyond that um they're playing the rams uh at the same time um sorry the rams run defense has, has been great i mean the rams run defense is fourth uh sorry not the rams the cardinals run defense is fifth dvoa but does allow the 20th uh, yards allowed per carry. So, the, you know, we I was targeting the Cardinals run defense at the end of the season. It's clearly gotten better, but still, fifth DVOA for the Cardinals run defense um, is good. Um, and a guy that, the, you know, the volume isn't necessarily safe as we saw last week, but the price is nice at 54. Thoughts on Sony? Yeah, I think um, I'd probably play him more often than Singletary just because of, well, again, that, that like flexibility, but. Um, it allows you to be a little different in that game where I think people are going to go to the passing attacks on both sides. So that's where I I have interest in in Sony because... Like if you're behind, if you need to play some catch-up on, on Monday Night Football and you're, and you're a bit behind, Sony might be a nice place to go. Yeah, because, I, I mean, in a game where we're expecting a lot of points, like it, it wouldn't really be too surprising if Sony comes out of that game with multiple touchdowns. Um, I don't know if like... 
he's going to get 100 yards or anything. And he only had that once this year. So that's the difficulty with him is he has been getting a ton of use since becoming the the number one there. Um, however, like he hasn't really been having monster games, but he's been having for 5,400 like pretty sustainable scores. Um, but he's not really that active. In, in the passing game, he hasn't really been his whole career, but he has been the type of guy that, that can rack up touchdowns. So um, he's more of a, a leverage play in that game, which makes it a little more interesting to me. And I, I just think he's going to be, especially on like the, the Rams, I think people are going to go to their wide receivers and potentially even their tight end spot before going to Sony. Pool of five running backs loop. Um, for me, I'm going to say Mixon, Mitchell, Najee, uh, Sony, and, uh, let's go with Fournette. Shifting to wide receivers. Again, interesting spot here. Um, again, like we, we, the, the, the pricing is pretty tight outside of the top guys. Let's start there. We got Cup at nine, nine thousand. Debo at eighty one. Thoughts on those two up at the top? I don't. I don't think people are going to click on Debo, which might make him a, a decent play. But because people really are going to click on it, a, I mean, <laughs> Cup is a pretty pretty smash at this point. I mean, they expect a hundred yards and a touchdown almost. It seems like. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to see Cup kind of out of this game with less than like eight receptions. Um, yeah, maybe seven, but. Uh, yeah, he's, he's basically a lock if you want to get the points. Um, the tough part about if, if you jam cup in to your lineup, then obviously if he gets like 14 points is really going to hurt you, but, um, you put him in your lineup and somewhere else you're going to have to play a cheap guy. And if that cheap guy doesn't do well, then you can make it up for it. It's tough. Right. Cause if he's getting 25 points and the other guy gets like, four then you could probably find two other wide receivers that are getting it 15 each so um that's a tough part but i mean he's just shown he's such a smash this year that it's hard not to try to get cup onto your onto your lineups i think that's why um jack is going to get pretty popular because it allows you to really pretty much just fit cup if you want um especially with how cheap a lot of those running backs are so to me, I think Cup is obviously like I can't talk anybody off of playing Cup. Um, I think that's a way to just get leverage in tournaments. Um, and then the other the other piece of it is like I don't really care to play any of the other guys until Tyreek. Really, um, I know Jamar Chase had a couple amazing games in a row there, um, but we're we're, put, we're, put, we're putting our chips on a mix in here. Is basically what's what's going on. Yeah, and again, like because it's the first game, like I don't want to play too many pieces of that game. Um, but if you know Chase comes out of this game with, with fifty points and you don't have him, then you just don't even log on the rest of the weekend because you you're gonna need that piece. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like Cup, and if not Cup, I go down to Tyreek and and Mike Evans range. Um, 
Let's, Diggs let's, isn't too exciting to me. Like he had 14 targets last week. Like we, we have concerns over targets. the points scored in this game. So I mean, I, I'm okay with that. I mean, my issue is is that yeah, Stefan Diggs 72 sounds nice, but with Tyreek Hill like freaking slate breaker at 71, um, that's where things get interesting. So I, I do want to kind of touch on you know Tyreek Hill at 71, and then Mike Evans at 69 again. No Godwin, no AB. We expect the Bucks to pass because that is what the Bucks do. So your thoughts, Tyreek and Evans, I know those are two guys we both have interest in. Yeah, I think um, both of them have crazy high ceilings. Um, obviously, Evans with, without Godwin has, has a higher ceiling, but has somewhat uh, – they're kind of similar where the tight ends are potentially likelier to get um, the touchdowns. But, I mean, we've seen the ceiling on Tyreek time and time and again. Um, Mike Evans has a, probably a lower ceiling, but um, has multiple touchdowns in him any given week as well. So um, those two guys I probably like more than a Deontay Johnson, just because Johnson's going to have 10 plus targets. And the issue is, are they going to be like four yard targets? And he's he's got a bunch of games where he just gets like eight catches for 50 yards. And that's like his whole game. So um, I probably won't go with Deontay. I'll probably just stick to those other two. Um, T Higgins, we've seen that the ceiling games from him, but they're almost too, they, they don't happen often enough. I think a lot of people. And it's early. And it's, it's again, it's the early game narrative too. We talked about yeah. this too. It's, it's tough. So I, I'm pretty much like cup. Tyreek Evans, or then you just kind of throw a dart at, at one of the cheaper guys. But I think um, just to kind of push back a little bit is if you're playing Dak, CD Lamb at 6200 yeah. feels good. That feels good to me. Like, I don't want to say he's a slate breaker, but at the same time, like, you know, we, we, we know what he is capable of. It, it, I would say it's a bit incons- inconsistent. I mean, hence the price. He hasn't necessarily lit the world on fire. He's had some pretty low games, but I mean, it's kind of like, he's kind of like T. Higgins in that regard where. Um, you know, the floor is not terrible, but at the same time, like we also do know he's capable to drop, um, you know, he has dropped almost a 40 burger this year, um, 25 points could easily come. So I think with Dak, I have interest in CD Lamb. Yeah. I mean, he, he hasn't hit the hundred yard bonus since, since week eight. So the upside's a little limited, but I mean, he's, his price is all the way down to 6,200. And like you said, if I'm playing Dak, like I'm assuming a lot of that is going to go through CD and, and Amari Cooper. And I just, Cooper obviously has the upside, but his floor seems just like way lower than, than Lambs. So um, in cash, like I think I'd probably still lean CD over um, a T Higgins because CD is pretty clearly the number one there at this point. Um Whereas Higgins is is the number two to a chase, so uh, you know depending on the week. But um, to me, it seems like CD is the cheapest of number one wide receivers on a team. So that's where I think for cash, like he makes a lot of sense. Any other? Uh, give me a cheaper wide receiver that you have some interest. Yeah, in. I I think I think we should try to grab a couple of these cheap guys um, lower in the five k range. The guys that I kind of like is. Um, you have Kirk, Ayuk, and Odell are probably mm-hmm. my three favorite. Um, Ayuk, 
he's just he's 3k cheaper basically than um Debo, but we we've seen him hit 100 yard games a lot more often. He's got that big playability as well. Um for 5400, like I I have a lot of interest in him cuz I think a lot of people are going to click the other two. Um Kirk obviously has been pretty much the number one on that team since Hopkins went down. Mm-hmm. He burned a lot of people last week, so I think that could be in people's heads and they don't want to click it, but 5300 is a great price for him. Um, and then for the cheaper guys, well, I mean, I could touch on Odell, but he's just another way of, of being different in that, that Rams game, and we've seen him catching a decent amount of uh, touchdowns since being on the Rams, so that adds to the upside that's the thing with the smaller slates. If you just get guys who have touchdowns, that almost makes up for other parts, especially cheap guys. Um, but what about like under 5K? Like, is is anyone sticking out to you? Like, there's there's like Claypool. I don't really want to go to Perriman, but I, I could see it working out. Like, he could get five catches for 50 yards uh, I, and I would maybe pro- the touchdown. I mean, if I had to pick one, it probably Zay Jones at 4,200. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just it's been there. I mean, it's been – he's had at least seven targets since week 14. Um, yeah. He has been, a lot of ways, like Reds. their number one wide receiver, man. Yeah, I mean, he, he in, in all ways, he has been their number one wide receiver in terms of the volume coming his way. So if I had to pick a cheaper wide receiver, probably land on on him. I all, you could also talk me into Cedric Wilson Cedric, with the Dak yeah. stack um, just because, like, we've seen the touchdowns be there. We know he's a bit explosive. Uh, no Gallup, obviously. So I think there is some interest with Cedric Wilson stacks with Dak. I'm not sure I'd go double Dak, Cedric, CD, but if we are trying to get in that cheap range, I think Myers is an okay play, but I just, the Bills' pass defense is good. We have concerns with that game. I think that's just a stand that I'm taking is, is pretty much. And he doesn't get touchdowns. <laughs> we know that he has one, but we, we do, <laughs> we do know that. But I think if the cheapest that would be comfortably going would probably be Zay Jones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and like you could, if you wanted to, just pick some random guy like a like a Tyler Johnson or, or um, Antoine Wesley and hope they get like a big touchdown or something like, or Isaiah McKenzie. Like you could, if you are trying to save salary, just like pick one of those random guys just so that you can fit like say two of the big studs. So um, I could see it, but that I'm really looking for 5K plus for the most part. Understandable. Pool of five wide receivers, Lou. Yeah, let's just go with um, Cup, CD, Tyreek, and then I'll I'll go off the board with Ayuk and um, Odell. Shifting to tight end, a lot of good tight ends here, but uh, I think they're pretty appropriately priced in terms of you know where they are at. <laughs> Um, I think there's a couple that stand out to me right away. Um, it's going to be Darren Waller coming back up injury at 57. We know he didn't do a lot in his return, but saw about an 80% snap percentage and nine targets, um, which is an absolute beautiful thing to see. That could come around again. It's early game concern, but you know, nine targets last week does give me hope. And then Zach Ertz, I mean, he, you know, in a lot of ways, he's their number one wide receiver. I mean, the guy's just like averaging like nine targets. Like the guy's getting so much volume. So there is some interest, at least in in my perspective, from going uh, Darren Waller and Zach Ertz as two of my favorite tight ends this week. Your thoughts on these two? Yeah, I think Zach Ertz is probably my favorite. Um, 
he's just he's getting a crazy amount of targets. Um, it was nice to see that Waller came back and basically just took on a, a pretty similar role that he left in getting those nine targets. Only two of them landed, so I think that the fact that he in the box scores it doesn't look that great is going to uh, people are so sharp now that it, people aren't going to just be off of Waller, but um, hopefully that'll keep like some people off of it or potentially think that he might be still hurt or something like that. Um, and he's the first game. So I kind of like Waller, but I, I'd probably lean Ertz, who is going to end up being pretty highly owned is the thing. So if you don't want to play Ertz, um, another guy like right in that range is Goddard, who's probably also going to be pretty popular because of this matchup. And the fact that he's he's pretty much the most consistent target for, um, for Jalen Hurts this year. Um, the problem I have with, with Goddard is outside of that one big game, like he doesn't really get much, uh, touchdowns and his targets are a little up and down. So if he, his ownership is going to be pretty high, then I'm, I'm pretty fine coming off of him to just play Ertz instead. Um, I mean, Ertz has had greater than 10 targets in three of the last four games. Um, and really showing back to those days of when he was on the Eagles. Um, so pretty much those two guys are, are what I'm looking at. Um, Kelsey is, is not that expensive comparatively to other people. Um, Gronk's obviously been having a great season and especially mm-hmm. as of late. So the fact that Kelsey is only 300 more than Gronk, it kind of makes Kelsey a little interesting to me. It does. It does. Um, but do you still think you'd, you'd lean with Gronk? Um, it's really the matchup. You know, Philadelphia's hemorrhaged points to the tight end and the lack of passing options again with Godwin and AB out does lead me to Gronk. Um, so I, I, I think I think I just would. I think God, like Faden Kelsey hurts, but at the same time, like, yeah, I'm probably going Gronk at 6,400 over Kelsey at 67. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you really want to dig deeper, like, Dawson Knox is forty eight hundred, and like no one's gonna click on him. I think I'd only play him in in Allen stacks. Um, but CJ Azoma is one way that you could save. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you need to, you know, quote unquote, kind of punt thirty two hundred is is not a bad price for Azoma in this one. Yeah, and we we're talking about it before, but like double tight end is somewhat appealing in general on this slate because I mean, we just talked about pretty much any wide receiver that's under 5k we're kind of iffy about but here you could play like Ertz and Uzoma like you could play Uzoma I'd rather play him than a lot of these other wide receivers in that range so um you could play him and you'd save a decent amount of money as well um he's probably my favorite punt of like anybody on the slate yep I mean I mean if I play double tight ends which I've considered It'd be Waller and Ertz. I mean, nine yeah. targets out of Waller last week. Ertz is usually getting nine or ten. Like at forty seven hundred, Ertz is getting nine or ten targets. What other tight end? What other wide receiver around forty seven hundred is getting that kind of work? Yeah, not it's really none. So I think there is some value to going like an Ertz Waller double tight end um, kind of off the wall pick here. Uh, Lou, your pool of three tight ends. Yeah, I I'm probably gonna say Ertz Waller and Uzoma. All right, let's move to defense special teams. One of our favorites. Um, close it out here real quick. 
I mean, to me, pretty obvious play, if you need to say money, is going to be the Patriots at 2,600. We've kind of talked about it again um, multiple times, but don't expect a lot of points in this one, especially because the Patriots, um, you know, we know how good their defense can be. We know that their pass defense is really good, and we know the Bills are going to try to pass. So I think they just set up really well uh, to play a game. I know, you know, one of the two games we saw this season was a high-scoring game, but you know, I don't expect it to be like that that crazy weather game where there was like nothing scored and the Pats only threw three times. But I would lean to a lower scoring game of under the 43 and a half in this. Um, you know, I would think that the Patriots just try to control the ball, run the ball, keep this game slow. So I, I think the the Patriots at 2600 uh, is a pretty, pretty good play if we're trying to save some money there on the defensive side. Yeah. Um Defense is kind of like what what you have left salary wise. Um, like you could play a defense that loses and get away with it on a slate like this. Um, that's where like if you're not really playing anyone else from a specific game, then you just pick a defense from that game. So something like the Patriots defense at twenty six hundred is really um, interesting in that sense. Where if you're not going to play anyone from the Bills, you could pick the Patriots defense being fine. I still think like Patriots Niners and then maybe like the, the Bengals. Those are probably my three favorite I'd say. Um, but bills at 3,200, like if, if you can find salary for that, like that might be the best like point per dollar projected wise um, to make a play on. Uh, Obviously, like people are going to want to play the Chiefs against Big Ben, so like that one's also a pretty good one. Um, I don't know; it's, it's kind of like what, it, depending on your lineup, is basically what I'm saying is is where um, I would decide. All right, Lou. Final thoughts: Wild Card Weekend, DFS, DraftKings. Be a wild weekend, yeah. Um, <laughs> a little different setup than normal, but it'll be cool to watch, like how. Um, depending on each day, like how, how each day ends and just the leaderboards are going to be flying up and down with, with all the different um, teams that some people have someone who went off day one and they're just sitting there sweating it out the rest of the time. And the, the thing is you don't know how often people are changing their lineups in the background. That's, that's the other fun to it as well. All right, Lou. Um, I got no party thoughts again. Uh, we, I think, we probably should be back next week, just considering the slate. But beyond that, we'll, we'll have to figure it out. So you can expect one more show from us this season. It's been great. Love doing this stuff. So uh, for Lou, follow him at Lou Dog Sherman and me at F Tyler O. That's all we have today, folks. Don't forget, tell somebody you love them. Later. Thousand dollars for cool G as we call it back home. Are you at liberty to play for that, Stanley? Would you prefer to play for smiles? <laughs>